Welcome to the Sunday Sermons Podcast. It was recorded on a Sunday morning at Morrison Hill Christian Church in Kingston, Tennessee. Our prayer is that the truths and strategies presented in this message will equip you to become a more fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening. Join me in prayer as we get ready for the sermon. Father, we thank you so much that we get the privilege uh, to be in your house, to be a part of your body, and to worship. Lord, we ask that you would uh, draw us near to you, that you would be in our presence. Lord, as John uh, comes to deliver uh, a message, uh, we pray that you would fill him with your spirit. Uh, we pray that it be your words speaking through his voice. Uh, Father, draw us to your throne in Jesus' name. Amen. Once again, good morning and welcome to Morrison Hill Christian Church. We're so thankful to have all of you with us this morning. It feels a little bit more like Lowe's than church uh, this morning, uh, if you know what I, where I'm getting. Uh, seriously, it's wonderful that you guys are, are here. And those of you, let me say, I think the camera's right there. I know this is awkward, but we're getting used to it. Here we go. Those of you who are joining us online, we are so thankful for every one of you. We're glad that you're here. Thank you for joining us as well. We're so thankful for this opportunity to speak into your life story and to have your life story intersect with ours. That's how Jesus designed it. Speaking of great stories, I'm really excited to share the one we've got today, but I'm a little nervous, and here's why. Um, well, let me start. Let me explain it this way. Did anybody ever see or read the story Old Yeller? I love that story. It's a sad story. It's a rough story, but I never realized, I just, as a kid reading it and watching it, it never occurred to me that, that they, they gave the whole thing away on page one. Literally, here's how the story starts. I'm reading it to my sons when we were doing homeschool, and this is how it starts. We called him Old Yeller. He describes him for a couple of sentences, still on the same page. He made me so mad at first that I wanted to kill him. And then later, when I had to kill him, it was like having to shoot some of my own folks. And I remember reading that to them and going, oh, well, we might as well not even read it. <laughs> and that's, that's kind of how I feel this morning a little bit because I'm telling the story of Jesus and I'm pretty sure you've heard it. And I'm pretty sure you've read it. And I'm pretty sure you've heard some people that are as good or way better than I am tell it. Except, man, what a story to go back over. Are you with me on this? And so I ask that you let your heart and your spirit just kind of pretend, not pretend, but you know what I'm saying? Just imagine you never heard this and just listen to this truth. Let's walk through this amazing story together. Jesus came, he saw, he conquered, he sent us out. There's the end of the story. I already gave it out. There it is. We know, but let's go through it together. Jesus' story actually began before the beginning. And it's worth noting that um, almost everything in life is a little different than it seems. For example, I think you all know from science that we live on top of a ball like this. Yesterday, they, they sent some people to go circling it around. And uh, I used to live right there, Papua New Guinea. And uh, now we all live, where is America? I'm failing here. There it is. Sorry. It's right here. I know where America is. I'm just bad with uh, props. So anyhow, there, there we are. There's Tennessee. And, and, but on any given day, here's what it feels like. It feels like everything is standing really still and that everything revolves around us. Are you with me? It feels like the sun is going around us, that weather comes to us and leaves and goes somewhere else. That's what it feels like. But we all know that what's really happening is it's rotating and it's spinning and there's a whole bunch of other stuff going on. Everybody, everybody with me like this? 
And so as we understand time, this is an idea that we've been going through, a, uh, through all these stories. We understand time, we're trapped in it. We're trapped in space and time. God is not. And so we're going back in time to talk about a, something that happened in history today, but it's still happening right now because this same Jesus interacts with us. And his story actually begins before there was such a thing as time and space. He's bigger than this whole system that he created. And that's why he can kind of interact with it, but not be trapped in it like us. John writes and says it like this. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He says that he existed in the beginning with God, and then he says, God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created and brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. John is using uh, a concept that Greek philosophers roughly a century or more before he lived on this planet um, had brought up that there had to be some sort of an absolute truth, some sort of an absolute order to things that, or, or none of the things that we take for granted could work. Physics and none of that could work. Logic, nothing could be there unless there's some absolute source. So he's saying, I know this absolute source. This thing that everything else hangs on, guess what? It stepped into the mix with all of us. It experienced what it feels like to actually live on this spinning ball. It, he actually, we interacted with him. He makes this even clearer in 1 John, the first couple verses of 1 John when he writes this. And this is the first translation I read from was the New Living. This is the Passion translation. It says, We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard. Listen so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things, again, listen, so that you may fully share our joy. Before creation, before the beginning, before time and space and everything else started to happen the way we understand it, the way we perceive it, there was already a Godhead. And even that concept is bigger than how we understand. We just can't, but, but it is what it is. And God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, they worked together to create this world that we live in, to create the universe, and they worked together in perfect harmony. The Trinity was the embodiment of love. It was the kind of love that is a shared purpose kind of love. It's unity based around working together to get a specific thing done. The values are the same. The goals are the same. And there is unity based in that. And part of this kind of love is that it, it's reproducible. Somehow or another, it's designed to recreate, make there be more life and more unity and more people working together to get a job done. That was always their dream. And when they created humanity, it worked well for a short amount of time. 
we get this little glimpse kind of reading between the lines that each day God would come and walk with Adam and Eve in the garden and they'd kind of just spend time together. They, they were expecting this. But sadly, we don't get to experience a whole lot of that as we read their story because we just see they're expecting it to happen and then they're scared. That's how we learned that this was something they came to expect every day is they know he's coming and they're petrified because they'd already blown it. And when sin entered the world, then God said that he was going to send a savior. Almost the entire Old Testament, in one way or another, is actually the story of Jesus. Because it may seem like all those stories are disconnected sometimes. It may seem like just endless lists of genealogies and numbers of armies and who knows what all else. And some of those details are kind of extraneous. Sorry, I can't say it. What did I say? Extraterrestrial or something? (laughs) They're extra. Let's put it that way. Some of them might be, but almost everything in the entire Old Testament and New Testament is centered around Jesus. The people that we have these stories about, in one way or another, they're they're the people in the actual lineage of Jesus. They're people that God used to kind of foreshadow the gospel that would come through Jesus. People that God used to create systems and symbols that looked forward to that. Prophets who were there to to prophesy, to tell what Jesus would be like. People that were going to tell us what to expect. One way or another, it's all kind of telling the story of Jesus all the way through. And it finally happens. And that's the beginning where we'd normally start a story, right? You're going to tell somebody's life story, we'll start with their birth. You've probably heard this one too. Ever heard of Christmas? Except, let's go through this idea again too. It's so amazing. Jesus, as a person, consistently submitted to the laws of physics, to the authorities around him, to all the things. He experienced life just like we do. Even though he was the one who designed the whole thing and all things were made through him and by him, he experienced what it was like to live on top of this spinning rock and fly through space. To be born as an infant and raised and taught how to walk and how to talk. To have his diaper changed. To have to be fed. The the God of the universe experienced what we experienced from day one. And that is a miracle we should never ever take for granted. And as he grew up, we only have little glimpses, but we can tell that they were used to him respecting him. They were used to being able to trust him. They were absolutely shocked the one day he got lost. I think that's one of the ways that that explains that crazy story is they they just completely trusted this 12-year-old kid and and they had no idea that, that he could get lost if that makes sense. And yet, even in that story, you see him showing respect to people that he actually knew more than they knew. He was blowing their minds just with the questions that he was asking. And you see him respecting his parents, and yet you also see another thread going through consistently. You always see that whenever there is a question, that even though he is experiencing life as we experience it, he never forgets his true identity. He never forgets what he's really here to do. He never forgets that when it comes down to it, if his, the authority of God, the authority of God's design, the authority of God's plan of why he was here, if there's a choice to be made, he's going to choose that at his ultimate authority. Even when it came down to the Garden of Gethsemane, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but even when he gets down to that and he's saying if there's any other way, 
nevertheless your will not mine be done it's you see this consistent thread where he's he's acknowledging his humanity he's experiencing that he's submitting to authorities and yet ultimately he never forgets who he really is and what he's really about and that's what we're called to do except we'll never be jesus Jesus was completely unique. Here's some of the things that he claimed about himself. And in your bulletin uh, sermon outline, and uh, those of you that are joining us online, uh, it should be being posted little by little. The same outline they're looking at, you can see that. I hope that makes sense to you. Thanks again for joining us. Jesus claimed to be the anointed one, the Messiah, the Savior, the one that God had promised to send all along. He said out loud over and over that he was things that are necessary for life, essential for life. He said he's the bread of life, the light of the world, life itself. He claimed to be God himself. He used the same title that God identified himself with when he was speaking to Moses. He said, I am. He called himself the gate that protects his sheep and that keeps them where they need to be and keeps everybody else out. He called himself the shepherd, the good shepherd that takes care of the sheep, that provides for the sheep, that takes them where they need to go. He talked about being the resurrection, of being the eternal life, of being the way, the truth, the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him. Jesus set himself apart in this way because... He was truly unique in this way. He was experiencing life as we experience it, and yet he never forgot who he really was and what he was here to do. And he proved this in practical, symbolic ways. All of the miracles that he did in one way or another were demonstrating this, who he is and what he's here to do. One of the stories that really sticks out and says kind of all of those in a beautiful way to me is the story where he healed a blind man. This story starts where he and his disciples are just walking down the street and his disciples start this conversation about a blind beggar that they see. And they go, so obviously the reason that there's any suffering in the world is because of sin. So uh, who sinned and made this guy be blind? And Jesus not only derails that conversation to teach them a little bit deeper truth underneath that question that they were asking, but he takes the time to actually heal the man. And in typical Jesus fashion, he surprises everybody and just freaks everybody out about how he does it. Uh, Can you imagine being blind and a person comes over and offers to help, which sounds impossible anyway, and then you hear, (sighs) (laughs) and and, and then something nasty is getting rubbed on your eyes, and you're still blind, but he goes, okay, now I need you to walk down the street and wash off in this one specific thing. Can you imagine the the faith that that took to to respond? And yet, this is, again, this is Jesus. There's a couple things we can't miss in this story. Not just his sense of humor, but there's something much more important going on. What's happening here is Jesus is asking this guy to become part of a bigger story. And he's changing this man's role in the story. Up until this moment, this man is a beggar. He's a victim. He's identified himself and everyone around him has identified him as someone who just needs help. Someone to feel sorry for. Someone to kind of pity. Someone to ask questions about. Someone to start 
conversations about sin about. And now he's freeing him. He's not just making him able to see physically. He's changing his role in the story. Now for the rest of his life, he's going to be someone who can make real choices about what role he's going to play. From this moment in his life, he's going to be able to play a different role. He's going to have to decide what that role is based on his surrender to God and whatever else. Jesus is changing his role. And this is one of several key moments too where the role of the religious leaders starts to shift in the story of Jesus to become his antagonists, to become the people who end up physically killing him later rather than people that were just kind of mystified and curious. I think you know where this is going. There's countless amazing stories I could tell you about Jesus. I'd love to tell all of them. We only have a few minutes here this morning. But let's go to the really big one. Actually, most of the Gospels, all four accounts, deal with the last week of his physical life before his death and burial and resurrection. Most of what we know that about him is focused on his suffering. And I think it's really important that as we remember his story, we remember exactly what he was doing and why he was doing it. He suffered and he died to pay the penalty for our sins. In God's eyes, in Jesus' eyes, sin had to be paid for. We must never pretend that it's okay. We must never pretend that what God calls sin is somehow not a big deal to him. If it were not a big deal to him, then Jesus would not have had to suffer and die. Someone had to suffer and die for the sins. Someone had to. He suffered and died so that we don't have to. He experienced that for us as well. And it was hard. And we know that because of not only the account and just being the obvious how, how hard it had to have been just looking at what was going on, but also his struggle in the Garden of Gethsemane is so epic. He's dripping drops of blood through his sweat, which is a really rare medical condition, but it means you are really, you're beyond like, you're beyond any kind of other kind of suffering that most of us ever go through already. Just the having to take on our sin, just the thought of having to go through physical death, even though he knew what was on the other side, even though he knew that he was still who he needed to be, he knew the plan, he wasn't forgetting it, but the the process, listen to me, the process of submitting to that, the process of going through the act, the choice of submitting to God and to God's will He understood in that moment more than ever before exactly how hard that is for us sometimes. He understood in that moment just how hard it is, even when you know the truth, even when you understand it as perfectly as he did, how hard it is to go through with it. And yet this is the moment when he won that victory too. But thank God the story doesn't stop there. Not only did Jesus die to take care of the penalty, to take care of breaking the power of sin, to tear down that wall, to rip the veil in two that separated us from God. Not only did he make that possible, listen, he did it to put the responsibility back on us. We had no chance to get close to God before Jesus did what he did. But when he did that, he made it possible 
We still have to take the steps to make it happen. Then he came back to life. And through his resurrection, he broke the power of death and the power of sin itself. He didn't just make it possible for us to be forgiven, for us to start over. He actually broke the power of death and sin. And he empowered us with a chance to live fully on this earth and to live forever in heaven. But again, listen, just like that blind man, our role was changed. We were no longer the enemies of God. We were His friends. We were no longer strangers. We are His family. Do you hear that? He changed our role in the story. And now we have the freedom, we have the ability, we have a chance to play whatever role we feel like He is showing us to play. And your role is a little different from mine. But once again, all the way from before the beginning, there's this consistent vision that his idea all along was that we all work together for a common goal. That one way or another, we find our unity, we find our truth, we find our purpose in a shared truth, in a shared purpose, in a desire for unity, in a desire for love that mirrors that of God himself. We now play the role as his representatives on earth. Suddenly, the, the terms he used to talk about us even change. Now he doesn't just say, you are Abraham's children or the people of God. Now he says, I am the true vine and you are the branches. And you are expected to bear much fruit. I am flowing through you. Yesterday, my son Noah and his now wife, Delaney got married. It was an amazing experience for all of us. We're thankful for them. They, they, oh, thank you. Thank you. Many of us talked about it uh, several times. It was almost like they'd already been married up to that point because they worked so well together. They fit so well together. They've done so much together all along. Uh, they had the thing planned to the second just about I mean it was like it was it was crazy and yet um, they weren't married up until that point and now they are their roles have changed uh, that their love was pretty much the same their commitment I think was already set in stone but now they weren't married now they are something has shifted their, their their role has changed in the story and it's that kind of thing that God does all the time. So now that we are, if we are believers, if we are part of a story, now our role has shifted is that our purpose here is to tell this story I'm telling you today. Not just with words, but definitely with words, actually sharing this story with other people, but also getting it out there, putting it online. Hello again. We are getting it any place that it needs to be, tearing it with friends, sharing it with family, and not just telling the story, but living it out playing this new role that he gave us to play living out this new love that he gave us to live because we are his family now we are his children now we are the representatives of Jesus we are his body on this planet Jesus commanded us to share his story to follow him and to help others do the same. You've heard me quote it thousands of times. I'm going to do it again. He said, go into all the world. Make disciples of every nation. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son 
and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all the things that I have commanded you and I will be with you always until the end of the age. That's what we're here to do. That's what we're doing. And if we have to do it 100% online, 100% in person, nowadays it looks like forever is going to be some combination of those. If it's here on Sunday morning and it's outside of this building and it's always supposed to have been both all along, are you following me on this? It's in our homes. It's in our workplaces. It's every place we go. It's at the grocery store. It's at Lowe's. It's, it's everywhere. It's where wherever we are, we are playing this new role that we have been giving. And listen, I need you to say this out loud together. We must work together to get the job done. All right, a little bit more power here, okay? This is us. This is who we are. We must get together to get the job done. Let's do it again. Let me get the words right, okay? Let's do it boldly. Here we go. We must work together to get the job done. That is what has to drive us as individuals, as families, as groups, as a church. This is who we are. It's part of the global community of Christ, the global community. We've got to do that. Now, when people first heard this story, the first time everybody heard the whole thing. They'd heard the Old Testament. They'd seen Jesus. They'd, they'd seen, many of them had seen him come back to life, seen him after he came back to life. They had almost all seen him die. The first time they heard the whole story laid out was in Acts chapter 2 when the church began. And Peter preaches this awesome sermon. You should read the whole thing. I wish I had time. I don't. We're wrapping up here if you can't tell, but this is really important. So jump back in. If you're daydreaming, if you're drawing on your bulletin, if you're making paper airplanes, jump back in. This is important. The first time anybody ever heard this story, they, they didn't know what to do about it. And that's the question they asked is, well, what do we do about this? How can we be saved from the obvious wrath that God's going to have because we killed his son. We killed the Savior, he sent. What is going to happen to us? What do we need to do? And in Acts 2.38, Peter replies, repent and return to God. That's the first part. Let's talk about that for a second. Repent literally means do a U-turn, do a 180. It means you're going one way, you go the other way. And all of us in one way or another, uh, for, uh, before we come to Jesus, it's pretty much categorically across the board, we're walking away from God. But every person in this room, no matter how long you've known Jesus, I, guaranteed, I guarantee you that there's some part of you that still keeps walking away. To repent is to do a U-turn and come back where you know you should be. To come back directly to Jesus. That is always, no matter how many times you've heard this story, how many times you have actually given your life to Jesus or given it back to Jesus, the, the idea that we've got to repent and return to God whenever we stray even a step away, that has absolutely got to be our response to Him. But some of you have never responded to Him in the first place. So let's see what the rest of it is. And also you need to be able to share this story. So let's see what the rest of it is. They so say, how do we do this? How do we get saved? He says, repent and return to God. And each of one of you must be baptized in the name of Jesus, the anointed one, to have your sins removed. And then you may take hold of the gift of the Holy Spirit. Baptism is not a thing that we made up. Out of desperation, we and a whole bunch of other people made up 
church online not too long ago. We're definitely not taking credit here. We, we're still learning as we go. But we did that. Uh, we, we came up with putting communion on tables and then three tables and stacking cups. Those are things we made up. We didn't make up communion. We come up with pews. We come up with chairs. We come up with a bunch of different details along the way as God's people. But we didn't make up baptism. It's a symbol of all the things He wants us to do. All the things He wants to do in us. It's a symbol that God Himself created. And make no mistake, I'm not telling you that that water is magic. It's not. I'm not telling you that if I dunk you or if anybody else dunks you in that water, that's a magic ticket to heaven. That's not what I'm telling you. I am telling you that Jesus commanded that when we lead people to Christ that we baptize them. And that the first time this story was told and every time it's ever told in Scripture, that's part of the conversion experience. You never see it separated out. I'm not judging anybody. I'm not telling you anything else is right or wrong. I'm just telling you this is what the Bible says and that's why we practice that so consistently here at this church. We lead somebody to Jesus. If you come forward this morning and you've never been baptized, you've never given your life to Jesus, we're going to offer to baptize you right here, right now just because that's what happened here in the Scripture. And that's, that's what we're trying to do is obey God's will. What He told us in His Word. So one more time. How do you respond to this story? How do you, what is Jesus' dream for you? What is his dream? I think there's some very specific ones, and I can't answer that one for you. At the bottom of your outline, it says, Lord, I will. I hope you fill in that blank. I hope that every single one of you walks out today with a a commitment to respond, but it's going to have to go in one of these categories, one way or another, and let's walk through that as we wrap up right now. Number one, repent. If there's anything at all that you are walking away from, maybe it's just mental at this point. Maybe it's just emotional. Maybe it's just you like the questions you're asking better than you like the answers that you've heard so far. I encourage you to keep asking your questions. Keep searching. Keep studying. God will meet you in your questions, in your doubts, in your fears, I promise. But if you are choosing them above Him, repent. If there's actions you are choosing above the actions he's asking you to do, repent, turn around, do a U-turn, come back, return to God. And no matter how long you've known Jesus and loved Jesus and how many times you've heard this story and how many times you've raised your hand or prayed or or served or anything else, if, if, if you've never been baptized, I encourage you to do that this morning. This is something Jesus himself commanded us to do this is part of the great commission it's part of it's just part of the it's just how it is i encourage you to get that done this morning if you've never done that and if you've been baptized if you've given your life to jesus if if you have done everything else and you know that you have the gift of the holy spirit but you've never taken hold of that gift maybe that's what you need today today Because the scripture is equally clear that the spirit not only produces love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control in us. That's that's the fruit of the spirit, by the way. That's how you know the spirit's moving somebody if, if those things are coming out. But he also gives each one of us gifts. And when God gives us gifts, it's because he wants us to use those gifts. If he blesses us, it's because he wants us to bless someone. So maybe you have the gift of the Holy Spirit, but you've never taken hold of it. You've never used it. It's like somebody gave you a new car and it just sits in your parking lot and you never drive it. Actually, the Holy Spirit drives us, but do you get the metaphor? Do you get what I'm trying to say? Take hold of that gift. 
this morning that God has given you. And finally, this is for every single one of us. Live out the role that God gave you in this story. He died and rose to give you a different role. You're not a victim. You're not his enemy. You're his family. You're his friends. His spirit can live in you. So in the name of Jesus, take that first step today. Let's all stand. Let's all sing. Let's give Jesus our hearts and our souls, our mind, our strength. And whatever choice you need to make, make it. There's actually going to be several people available just to pray with you. And if you just need prayer this morning, would you come and we'll pray for whatever decision God is leading you to do. And if you have uh, a decision you want to make public, like getting baptized or something, we, we're, we're thrilled to help you make that happen as well. That concludes the Sunday Sermons podcast. You can respond to the invitation you just heard where you are right now. Don't waste this opportunity to change your life for the better. If you've made a decision or are interested in learning more, please visit us at morrisonhill.com.